Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Kevin Nealon is an iconic comedian who is based in Los Angeles, California. Known for being a long-standing cast member on Saturday Night Live between 1986 and 1995, where he also served as one of the most notable Weekend Update anchors, Nealon is also celebrated for playing Doug Wilson on the acclaimed sitcom Weeds. He's also an author who began his career as a stand-up comedian, and he currently self-produces a wonderfully revealing and funny YouTube series called Hiking with Kevin, which features guests like Conan O'Brien, Helen Hunt, and Adam Sandler, among many others, sweating and talking with Kevin on these beautiful trails. When he's not tending to that, Kevin continues to tour extensively as a stand-up. In fact, his current 2019 tour brings him to cities around North America, including April dates in Ontario, Canada, in cities like Oakville, St. Catharines, Guelph, Markham, Picton, and Brampton, among others. You can visit kevinneelan.com for more details. Now, Kevin and I spent some time on the phone recently, and we talked about lots of different things. A hike with actor Matthew Modine, which launched the idea for the Hiking with Kevin series. His time on and after Saturday Night Live. We talked about trying to communicate with Norm MacDonald, the influence of Weekend Update on comedy news shows. There's lots of them now. We talked about his friendship with the late, great Gary Shandling, his next stand-up special, and we talked about lots more stuff as well. With the support of listeners like you, who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash Control. Plus, in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 472nd episode of Creative Control, featuring the hilarious Kevin Nealon, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. I know. I know. I know. Believe me, I get it. I know. <laughs> I'm a lot taller than you thought. I know it. I know it. Well, I'm glad you're here. We're going to have a great time tonight. <laughs> 
not here, not here. We'll go somewhere else. I found a great Mexican restaurant not too far from here, very classic place, good bar, good uh, food. They make the guacamole right by the table. They show you how fresh it is. We make it a fresh right by the table. We make it a fresh. Uh, kind of an Italian Mexican place, but nice, it's nice. Oh yeah, nice, nice. How am I doing on time? Hi Kevin, how's it going? Good, how you doing, Beef? I'm well, I'm very well. It's nice to uh, get to speak with you. I'm a, a huge fan. I, I, oft, I often begin my conversations with uh, people who are on the phone or what, what have you uh, by asking them where in the world they are. Where in the world are you today, Kevin? Well, I just got back from Florida yesterday, and today I'm in Los Angeles at home. Excellent. How are things at home? Things are great. I'm always happy to get home. You know, I have all my stuff here. You know, <laughs> i got my, my instruments. I have my my little cameras and all my fun stuff with my family. I almost forgot my family. <laughs> yes, your instruments and your family. That's an interesting sequence. Yeah, <laughs> my family's part of the fun stuff, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, I have been uh, binge-watching your uh, show, uh, Hiking with Kevin. It's, it's a remarkable show, and I, I wonder if you can talk about the origin of this particular show. It's a really cool idea. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. Well, it, it was very organic the way it came up. You know, I'm not like a big hiker where I'm, you know, I have the uh, the water camelback strapped over my thing and all that. You know, I just like to walk. I like to go up the canyons around my house in the Los Angeles area. And um, I called a friend of mine, Matthew Modine. He's an actor. You know, he's from Stranger Things. He is, he, he did the movie uh, Full Metal Jacket. You know, he's a great actor. I said, now you want to go for a hike? He goes, sure. So we're hiking up this canyon in my house. It's kind of a a steep incline and after about an hour we're both kind of out of breath but we're still talking but there's a lot of like you know <laughs> empty uh you know you're trying to catch your breath and you're talking so there's a lot of uh, empty spaces in between the words so i thought that would be a funny kind of a, a funny clip if i videotaped us like you know, just talking maybe me interviewing him you know where it's like so when you just got when you got an agent and he has a and then he would answer in the same way you know so i did that and it was really funny but then on the way down at the back side of the, the trail I asked him some more serious questions. I said, did you ever turn down anything regretted? And he rolled his eyes. He goes, oh, man, after a full metal jacket, it was a big hit. I was, I was a little too picky. I turned down uh, the Tom Cruise role in Top Gun. I turned down the Michael J. Fox role in Back to the Future. Charlie Sheen in the Wall Street. And Tom Hanks role in Big. I said, you idiot. And we both <laughs> laughed. And I videotaped that. And I just... Uh, I started posting them on Instagram and Twitter, like just very short, like one-minute uh, clips. And then I remember Howard Stern was a big fan of it. He was following it, and he said, you should do the longer uh, longer interviews. So I thought, that's not a bad idea, because I had a lot of material, you know, and I was just doing small segments. So I um, created a YouTube channel, uh, Kevin Young Comedy, youtube.com forward slash Kevin Young Comedy. And I started posting them on it, and I've been doing this for two years now. I've done almost 70 hikes. That's a lot of hiking. You, you you seem like you're in very good shape, if I might say. Um, it seems that way, but I get a lot of people commenting on how, how winded I am on these hikes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't all be Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey, he says, uh, a resting heart rate of 45. You actually get him to do a jog. He's a he's an avid runner, and it is remarkable to see the kind of shape people are in, I guess, uh, for one thing. The oh, other, yeah. The, yeah. the other thing that I find fascinating about it, because there's lots of people talking to people right now. You and I are having a talk right now for a, a show where people talk to each other, and everyone's kind mm -hmm. of doing it. But psychologically, when you're walking with someone and hiking with someone, I assume with the, with the you know, they lose their breath, but I think their guard goes down too. Do you find that? That's an interesting question. I, I think in a way it does because we're not having eye contact with each other. 
and we're outside in the open and there's no studio audience um, and the bright lights. And I think people feel a lot more comfortable. And I think, I think for me, at least I'm a little more in touch with what's going on inside my head when I'm hiking. It's kind of meditative for me where I think about a lot of things and I do a lot of writing when I'm, when I'm hiking or walking uh, in the canyons. Right. So the, the show is shot in an interesting way. It seems to me from what I can tell, how is the, how is the hiking with Kevin show kind of filmed? Well, it's funny. A lot of um, my guests, when I get there, they say, "Where's the crew?" And I said, I'm, "It's just me." You know, so I have a selfie stick. I started with a selfie stick with my iPhone at the end of it, but it was very jerky and, and, and shaky. And, and eventually, I got a GoPro with a carbon graphite um, selfie stick and an external mic with a with a dead cat on it. They call it, you know, that fuzzy cover yeah. that blocks the wind. Yeah. A lot of people were complaining how shaky it was and that it was windy, you know. I, I, and I would do some hikes where I'd lose most of the hike because it was so windy and you couldn't hear. So I finally got a real professional setup and it's a lot smoother now. But it still has that kind of um, homespun feel to it where I'm not like, um, you know, I'm not an expert on taping. And sometimes, you know, I'm out of the frame. Half of my head's out of the frame or they're out of the frame because there's no um, monitor on the uh, GoPro. Right, right, and, of course. Sometimes the footsteps um, are louder than the actual dialogue because <laughs> of the pointing of the, the direction of the, can, of the microphone. Now, you, you seem to be asking questions in the moment. Some of the questions are kind of just silly. Uh, some of them are, well, they're not silly. I suppose they, they might deal with minutiae. What do you watch on Netflix? You know, these kinds of things. Everyone, then David Spade tells the story of... Uh, you know how he was almost killed by someone, and that so it's it yeah, really it's runs the it runs the gamut. It's really in the moment. What kind of prep are you doing for uh, your conversations with these with these people? Not a lot of prep. I mean, it's almost like I would just say, you know, to a friend, let's go for a hike, and whatever kind of comes up, um, you know, I talk about. But um, it is it's it's basically it's ran- just random questions. I tell them that I tend to ask a lot of random questions, you know, and whatever you want to talk about it's fine do you, do you find that you ask questions or when you're when you're editing this you edit this don't you i assume someone's editing this i do okay i edit it on iMovie <laughs> yeah no it looks edited i, I you do the sweeps because there's obviously by the way every once in a while you run into someone who's like a just a, a person and you you sometimes will say a joke you know like uh, oh we were just talking about you but have you had like do you have to stop the show when people are like oh my god it's helen hunt and kevin nealon do you ever get that Oh, yeah, I get that a lot. You know, like Jack Black, he got stopped about 10 times in the beginning of our hike, you know. Yeah. Uh, I try not to go on hikes um, during the weekend when there's a lot of people out there. Hmm. That can become a little, you know, distracting. But um, generally, I just add it. I just use it, you know, in the um, video. And I could edit it when I get home, too, you know. So if it's, you know, a real bothersome thing, I'll, I'll just kind of edit it out. Right. And is it the same trail most times? No. Oh, no. No. I mean, I've done, you know, I've done the same trail before. I've done it like, you know, three or four times in the same trail, but I've done everything from the Smoky Mountains to up in Santa Barbara to, you know, Sundance with Donny Osmond in Las Vegas. Hmm. So I mix, mix it up a lot. Right. It's a it's a show that can and I, travel. I, I, yeah. And I'll tell you some good news, too. I've lived in Los Angeles for a long time, and I'm discovering trails now. I never knew who existed because I'm trying to find different trails than hmm. my guests on. Well, it's it's a great show. I hope people check it out. And uh, you're coming to to Canada uh, for an extensive Ontario tour in April. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, we have trails. Uh, will you will you try to embark on trails hiking? Will you will you meet with people from Canada 
uh, for your show? Have you made a plan? I don't have a plan, but I always kind of bring my uh, camera with me and my hiking hat in case I run into somebody who might uh, interested in going on a hike there. Okay, so it's 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 plausible. You might go for a hike. Yeah, it's plausible. It's it's possible, and it's almost probable. <laughs> so I, I know I did a uh, I did a um, a, 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 a hiking promo from uh, Lake Louise um, last uh, fall. I think it was up there, and it was it came out really nice, and uh, it looked really good on my Instagram. Oh, nice. Well, I'm I'm calling you from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and as I sometimes do with uh, my uh, American guests, I. I wonder if you have particular thoughts about Canada, what you think of when you think of Canada. If you think of Canada, do you have any perspectives on Canada, Kevin? Yes, I have many perspectives on Canada. I love Canada. I think it's my fallback country if uh, <laughs> if um, our country continues in the direction it's going. <laughs> Con- continu- um, continues. Like- it's not bad enough that you might come up here. It, you're waiting for something else bad to happen. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> sort of, but um, but you know, I've always loved the people from Canada. You know, I worked for uh, Lauren Michaels, who was a Canadian for a long time, mm-hmm. and um, I worked for. Um, I mean, I had other people on the cast. Phil Hartman was Canadian, and Mike Myers. In fact, I used to write. A, I wrote a sketch once that Mike Myers kind of cringes when uh, whenever I see him because he he recalls it. I called it the proud Canadian. And it was about, and I based it on Mike Myers because he was always bringing up things he loved about Canada. No matter what we were talking about, he would tie it into Canada. So it was called the Proud Canadian. <laughs> and uh, and it, always, it would always start with, in Canada, we have, um, you know, these bottles that open up when you twist the top. I said, yeah, no, we got them here too, you know? <laughs> Nobody else had anything in Canada had. <laughs> it's true. Mike my, my, Myers did have that Canadian pride when he was on the show. He, he did have that. He seems to still have like this Canadian, uh, it's not naive. Oh, yeah. It's, naive yeah. it's, it's pride, but it's a kind of naive, idealized version of Canada. But the, one of your other counterparts who's Canadian that you didn't mention there, Norm MacDonald, I can't see Norm having the same kind of sentimental attachment to Canada, or did that come up? Um, no, I don't hear him talking that much about Canada. <laughs> I don't know if he remembers that he's from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He does occasionally. He seems very proud. You know, he and I correspond sometimes, and I think it's mostly, well, I'm a fan of his and he knows it, but I think it's because I'm Canadian as well. I think it. he's got pride for it, but... I mean, is he? He's an enigma to so many of us. You and you've been on his show. Has I, I? I haven't gone through the entire archive. Have you gone hiking with Norm yet? Well, funny you should ask. Uh, you're right. Norm is an enigma, and um, he's a friend, and I do like him. Um, and we've toured together before. But um, yeah, we were out in the Grand Cayman Islands about two months ago doing uh, the Kaboo Festival out there. And I said, Norm, why don't, why don't we do a hike? Because I've been trying to get him, and he's been saying, yeah, I do one. And uh, so he says, yeah, let's do one. I said, we'll do it on the beach. So um, we are all set to do it, and uh, I go, uh, I, I do the intro on the beach, you know, before he gets there, and the outro and all that stuff. And then I go take him out to lunch, and, and then we finish lunch. He goes, oh, I got, I got to get my hat. And he goes back to his room, and uh, I'm waiting for him at the elevator, and he texts me saying, I, I'm watching the uh, – I'm watching uh, the golf tournament right now, Tiger's playing. <laughs> and I said, okay, okay, okay. 
And then uh, 10 minutes later, he, told, he texted me, he goes, I can't go, I got diarrhea from that sandwich you bought me. <laughs> You know, so I never got the hike for them. Oh, man. <laughs> I have a similar sort of story. I, I mentioned we exchanged messages, and I, I asked him to be on the show. Uh, I've asked him a few times, and he always says, certainly. You know, he'll direct message me back, certainly. And I'll say, okay, when? Give me a day and time, and then nothing. Uh, and then he'll write me something know, about so. something else. He's just, he doesn't, this is a, a thing with Norm, right? He's does, he doesn't, com- he can't commit to meeting with people, it seems. Yeah, maybe that's it. I don't really know, but I mean, he's a funny guy, of course. He's very entertaining, and, uh, you know, he he is kind of quirky, and uh, he's an enigma, and that's uh, part of the thing that makes him so, I guess, endearing and interesting and, you know, entertaining. Yeah. Well, you two share uh, some lineage uh, in terms of Saturday Night Live. Of course, you, you both uh, helmed a Weekend Update, which is one of my favorite segments uh, ever, and... Uh, I, I'm curious about your perspective. I know you keep up with the news. Uh, we've gone from, I think Weekend Update might have been among the first sort of satiric news things. Norm, of course, coined the phrase, this is the fake news. And now it's launched a whole industry of people doing fake news, uh, both in the comedic sense and, and I think as journalism. Do you have thoughts on this, on, on the impact of Weekend Update on on the culture and how it's maybe ruined the world? I didn't mean to put it that way. I didn't mean to say that. But it does, <laughs> it does seem to have had this huge impact. Do you have perspectives on that? Well, I will tell you, sadly, I know for a fact that a lot of people get their news from watching Weekend Update. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's the news that they're watching. So it is kind of um, insane in a way. But um, I, I don't think it's really had a, that big of an impact on, on the world or this country. I think it's, you know, people, of course, you know it's satire and all that. But it's, it certainly is it, it is a nice outlet to have that, to be able to make fun of all the other news that's happening in the world, whether it's fake or real. Do, do you see it as a precursor to The Daily Show and all the various other sort of pseudo-news shows that uh, emerged? I think so. I think so. I mean, I'm not even sure if Weekend, if, if Weekend Update was original in its own way. I mean, I think maybe there might have been other programs that had that. Like, I don't know, some of these earlier shows on TV or show of shows maybe, or, um, you know, Steve Allen. I'm, I'm not really positive, but uh, mm. maybe, it, maybe it was. But um, it certainly has spawned a lot of different shows, you know, whether it's... Um, you know, The Daily Show or um, Talk Soup or, or John Oliver or any of these. Samantha you know, B. Like, it, there's so many of them now, it seems like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even um, Seth Meyers on yeah. this show is kind of a weekend update format at the beginning. Yeah, the Closer Look segment in particular. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just wonder if you see a correlation there between real news and fake news, as Norm called it, as, as you... And, and by the way, like I, I was listening to your... I believe, is your most recent stand-up record whelmed, but not overly, from around 2013? Is yeah. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Very, very funny, if I might say. For what that's worth coming over Thank the phone you. line, I, I just thought it was great. And, and on, I think a lot of us maybe don't know you. You started in stand-up, right? Yeah, stand-up is really my forte. It's all I've, I really wanted to do, and it's all I was doing. And to this day, you know, whenever there was a break in SNL or weeds or whatever i would do stand-up and um and i have two stand-up specials out there now and i've written a book yeah so it's really kind of my centerpiece do you recall how you kind of got into stand-up oh totally yeah i mean i remember um i loved stand-up so much when i was growing up and i would watch a lot of um 
you know, TV shows um, with the stand-ups on it. I want to highlight, you know, the TV guide when they're going to be on and watch it. And I really love the whole idea of the craft of it, of stand-up. And I was living in Connecticut, and um, I was toying with the idea of, look, you know, trying out stand-up. And I went to New York to look at some of the stand-up comedy clubs when I was about 20, 21, and it just terrified me because the audiences were so brash and the comics were tough, you know, New Yorkers and stuff. And and um, and I went home kind of discouraged. And I remember um, raking leaves one day and had the radio on outside listening to music, and the news came on that Freddie Prince had killed himself. Mm. And what an impact I, I realized that it had on the world and how important I realized that comedy was to the world. So in, in a weird sense, that kind of was an impetus for me to go out to Los Angeles because I, I thought Los Angeles was a little more like that. And the comics were more probably like pop comics. You know? So I ventured out to Los Angeles and just started getting into it. That's fascinating that a, a comedian taking his own life inspired you to get into the realm, it sounds like, on some level. Well, it was yeah. It wasn't that he took his own life. It was just the impact that um, I saw that it, that he had had on oh, the world. I see. It was such a big deal, you know that you know they were commenting on it and you know what an impact he had had on the world. Yeah. So talk talk about the transition from in on the Dana Carvey episode of Hiking with Kevin. You mentioned that it was, or maybe it was with David Spade. I can't recall, but you mentioned Dana Carvey somewhere along the lines. You mentioned that Dana Carvey was the one who got you your audition on SNL. Um, and I'm just curious about the transition from stand-up to sketch, because I think a lot of people know you for the impersonations you did on SNL. Also, I, I didn't get to say this when we were talking about Weekend Update. I always found your Weekend Update to be particularly unique. You, you seem to be engaging with the news, but also not engaging with the news. You were looking to make absurd jokes, and I always thought that was interesting. And, and that comes across on, as I say, I mentioned Whelmed, uh, but not overly your, your recent special. You have a, a a penchant for the absurd, I guess, is what I'm I'm getting at. And I do like I do like absurdity. I think that's a big part of my act. Um, but um, well, the thing about Saturday Night Live is I, I was a stand up. I wasn't um, a sketch player or did characters, and I was friends with Dana, and he uh, was selected to be on Saturday Night Live back in the 1900s, of course. <laughs> and I was, I was very excited for him and happy. And I never even thought about being on SNL because, you know, I didn't do sketches or characters or accents or anything like that. I was just a stand-up, a really, really good stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> I like to give. Um, but, um, you know, then when I, you know, Dana recommended me, I think, with a couple other people. And so that kind of got me an audition, you know, that made Lauren Michaels aware of me. And, um, I sent my tapes in, and from that I got, you know, the audition. And um, never thinking anything would come of it. You know, it was just a free trip to New York for me, basically. And then the next week um, I get home, I find myself sitting across from Lord Michaels in a high-rise in Beverly Hills, and he's offering me a job on Saturday Night Live. So what about the the acting aspect? Uh, you, you were a stand-up. Did you have an acting background, a theater background of any kind? Not really theater, but I had, I had taken a lot of workshops around um, Los Angeles over the years. And I had done, you know, I did commercials and I had done um, some guest stars on shows, you know, but I didn't really have an extensive background in acting. Yeah, I think SNL was really my first foray into um, that world. Okay. Well, people have been asking me as I get older, maybe, or as I get out there and do stuff like this more, you know, they say, what, what's the key to interviewing? And I often these days say, well, it's listening, actually. It's not the questions, it's the listening. Do you have acting tips for people who are in your realm of, of comedy? 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. Like you you're in you're a stand-up comedian but you're starting to get these offers as a young comedian uh to get into acting. Do you have acting advice? Well, I think what you just said about interviewing applies to just about everything in life. Marriage <laughs> applies to acting. <laughs> it's all about listening. Yeah. And listening and listening. And of course acting is uh as they say, reacting too. So, um but I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Know, I will say also that I you know what I, I was had a small part in that movie Roxanne, Pete Martin, right before I got on S N L, you know. That summer I was shooting it up in um actually up in Nelson, British Columbia. Okay. Okay. So you had you had some acting. You got into acting. It seems like acting found you. <laughs> well, you know the truth is, I was sitting at the bar at the Improv, and one of the uh, co-owners, Mark Lanau, who was partners with Bud Freeman, uh, had an acting class. And he sat next to me, and he said, "Do you ever think about getting into acting?" Yeah, I think as, as I look back now, he's trying to get into the acting class. <laughs> but I, for some reason, I thought of acting as being embarrassing. You know, I, I don't. I didn't think I could do it. And um, and I said, no, I never thought about it. He goes, we well, should think about it because uh, one of these days you'll be doing your stand-up and you'll have a cast and um, agent come in who's you know looking to cast somebody on a pilot and they'll want you to come in and do a cold reading. And I thought, well, that makes sense. So um, I took a few of his acting classes and then I started getting involved in other acting workshops. Well, it was really helpful. I think that would be the advice I would give somebody starting out. It's um, you know, getting to an acting class, you know, study all different aspects of acting, you know, cold reading, scene study, analysis and also i think what one thing i regret not doing is getting into like an improv group because that really helps you to think on your feet mm -hmm. um and they have great groups every you know second city in chicago toronto i'm sure and also um in the groundlings in los angeles i'm sure every big city has a great um you know improv group but i think that's really an essential kind of um background to have for an actor you mentioned your discomfort about the idea of acting, and I do think of comedians, some comedians in particular, really have an issue with fakery, with dishonesty. Acting is a lot of that. Do you think that's maybe where you're coming from? Like your impulse was to be like, this is just seems really phony, and I'm a comedian. <laughs> I make fun of the phoniness. Do you think there's something to, to that? Yeah. Uh, and, well, I think kind of it's the opposite. I think, you know, if you're a good actor, you you are revealing truth. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're you're finding this and um, you know selling that on the screen, and I think that's the difficulty with being an actor is really being truthful and honest with the emotions. But I know what you're saying as far as pretending it's you're you're playing somebody else, and you're trying to um, create this scenario, and that way it is pretending. Yeah, but I think ultimately underneath it, it all comes from truth. You know, you you're in touch with your your emotions and. Um, the reality of the situation. Yeah. You mentioned truth there, and it made me think of Gary Shandling, uh, who is one of my heroes. Were you friends with Gary? 
Yeah, I was really, really good friends with Gary. Because I, I was watching you hike, and I thought, there's a fit guy. And you mentioned uh, basketball. I think uh, one of the episodes you mentioned that you, I think it is, you, or maybe it's on one of your specials. You mentioned you tore your bicep playing basketball, and you had to have surgery or something like that. And I thought, basketball, Gary Shandling, did you ever play basketball? There's these infamous stories of Gary Shandling having pickup basketball games, I think, at his house. Did you ever engage in those? Oh, yeah. I played I played there from the get-go for years. I played up there. We had, um, I was part of that group. And um, you, should, you should watch the um, Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling. Oh, I've seen because, it. I've definitely, I've seen, I think I've seen everything about Gary, maybe, that there might be. I, I'm oh, I'm very, oh. very familiar with his work, <laughs> if I might say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's really good. I'm in that a lot. I talk about you know, playing basketball up there, and um, and then there's um, a very nice eulogy at the end that they recorded, and everybody's, you know, saying nice things about him. It's about a four-hour documentary. Yeah. And, um so yeah, we were good friends, and um, in fact, I I hiked with Gary. Um, believe it or not, um, last month I hiked with him, and I say that because I have an urn, uh, a little urn that I wear around my neck that has a, a, you know, some of his ashes in it. Oh my gosh! And I used to hike with Gary. <laughs> I used to hike with Gary in the Hollywood Hills. He would go, "You want to go for a hike?" And I finally went on a hike with him. I realized that his idea of a hike is going walking from open house to open house in the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> <laughs> so he he was a very dear friend of yours. I I, I did I, I didn't know that, but I for people listening, I I just wanted your to hear it from you. Um, this yeah he he this notion of getting to the truth of things to being in the moment. I really feel like he was prescient ahead of his time with that. We're we're dealing with that a lot more now kind of raw data, raw conversations. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that's a testament to maybe the Larry Sanders show. Maybe it's the Gary Shandling show. He was someone who really seemed to really despise fakery and try to get at the heart of things. And I assume, does that inspire a comment like yours about getting to the truth of acting? Yeah. I mean, Gary was very, um, very uh, inspirational to me and uh, he was a mentor to me and he, um, he was always a, a big champion of, of the truth and, and, you know, being in the moment and being present, but it didn't come right away to him. I mean, he searched for years and years. He was very mixed up and confused about things and, you know, neurotic about a lot of things and paranoid. And um, so it was a constant struggle for him. And I think in his latter years, he kind of discovered through a lot of Buddhist readings um, these principles that really made him feel more calm and um, accepting of, of life. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to talk to you about your current tour and and the comedy you're you're working on as much as we can without you know spoiling any shows. But I did want to jump back to something that occurs to me. Um, and is that I'm I'm a follower of Saturday Night Live. We've talked about SNL already, but you're among the f- well, you're not among the few people, but it, I I find that it's seems to be tricky to have a career post-Saturday Night Live. And I know I already asked you for acting advice, but do you have perspective on that or advice for people who may be on the show? And Because uh, I, I know it's it's probably person-to-person, case-by-case. Everyone does something different. Everyone's on a journey. But do you have... Were, were you... Like, when you left SNL, did you know what you were going to do? And, I mean, here we are talking. You're still doing lots of stuff. Do you know how you got from leaving that show to, to being where you are today, being an active... Uh, presence in in entertainment and culture oh yeah 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 absolutely I, I and you're right everybody has a different path um for me i left the show after nine years which was i think one of the longest um 
running cast members at the time. You know, people have done it longer since. But I had a um, a pilot I was going to that was um, created by DreamWorks. That was Steven Spielberg and Geffen and those people. Yeah. And it was their first foray into um, TV uh, sitcoms. And it was called Champs, and it was with Timothy Busfield, who used to be on um, 30-something. Hmm. And um, so that was very exciting, but it didn't last very long. And then I, a couple of years later, did another one with Imagine, a TV. That's with Brian Grazer, his company. Mm-hmm. That was with Eugene Levy, who's Canadian, and uh, Richard Lewis, another comic. Mm-hmm. And that one also was short-lived, but also highly touted. Um, but I always wondered if there would be something that would be as popular and as exciting for me after SNL. And I was beginning to think maybe there wouldn't be. And then I got a script in my hand that said weeds on the cover. And I at first thought of it as, oh, it's just another stoner, you know, so everything's been done with stoners kind of stuff, you know. And then I read it and I it really it opened my eyes and thought, wow, this is really well written. And I love the characters and I love my character, Doug Wilson. Mm-hmm. So I went and I met for them and, and they um, they thought I would be perfect for the part. So that's how that happened. And and that kind of um, was kind of my um, second um, coming right there after um, Saturday Night Live. So the second act came to you again. Again, acting came to you and and, and sort of, re, I don't know if it rejuvenated the, your career, so to speak, but it gave you a second act, as you say. Yeah, and I think if you're going to have um, any kind of long career, you have to kind of pace yourself. Even on SNL, you know, a lot of people were frustrated on that show that didn't last long because they wanted to become stars overnight. Hmm. You know, but it's really more of a marathon than a sprint. And so is you know, a career in this business because you'll have your ups and downs. And thankfully, I'm, you know, like I said, I do stand up. That's really my forte. And that's that's what I love the most. So whenever I'm not working, you know, on a set somewhere doing a show or whatever, I'm not doing stand up. And a lot of actors don't have that. You know, they're when they're not working, they're getting a little nervous. Yeah, as a writer and a performer that's somewhat self-sufficient, uh, that that you definitely have a leg up, I assume, on some people. Yeah, yeah, you, you do. Yeah. You do. You can do. Your, I think that's what draws. You have that. You got that independent spirit. Is that maybe one of the reasons you got into comedy? You, you knew you had to make something of yourself for yourself by yourself, almost. Man, I think I would have to do a lot of psychotherapy <laughs> for a long time to figure out why I got into stand-up. But I think you know, superficially, I think maybe it was for. Uh, I, I felt I liked making people laugh. Maybe it was for the attention. Maybe it was to prove something to, you know, whomever. Um, but I, uh, I think the bottom line is I do like the craft of it. I like making people laugh. I like being in a happy place. Um, although my comedy is absurd and is leaning toward becoming more and more dark, <laughs> I still enjoy the laugh. Yeah, you know, it's funny you brought up the psychotherapy thing because Conan O'Brien kind of when he's on hiking with Kevin, he's kind of giving you the gears a little bit about your your questioning, and and you get into some very deep stuff with people, and it happens here on my show too. There's this armchair psychotherapy that's happening through all these conversations. It seems healthy and therapeutic. Do you find that you're kind of benefiting from the conversations you're having on your own show? Oh, absolutely. I feel like um, it's very therapeutic because um, it's nice to know you're not alone. And everybody, I think, has gone through the same things or is going through the same things as you have or have been through. And, um, and you know, my with the Conan O'Brien hike, it was as I watched, watched it back, I, I, I wasn't really listening that well. <laughs> and I was interrupting him a lot because I was just anxious to get on to the next question if I was like, bored with something or I wasn't interested in what he had to say. <laughs> but I think that added to the comments. 
I will tell you, my interviewing skills are getting better as I go along, I think. Yeah. No, as that... are my, my skills with the camera. <laughs> no, it's all, it's a fantastic show. I do recommend it. Now, um, you have this, I looked at your website, and the, the tour dates are very extensive. Lots of Ontario shows here in Canada and then elsewhere as well. Are you prepping for a special? And within that, uh, is it possible to articulate some of what you're uh, discussing in this particular uh, in this on this particular tour? And if you are heading towards a special, maybe where, if you see a theme emerging? Well, yes, I'm definitely preparing for another special. I mean, it's been about I don't know five or six years, maybe seven years since my last special. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, I, I went back and I reviewed my two earlier specials to see to make sure I wasn't doing any of the same material, you know, and I wasn't, of course. Yeah. So I'm um, definitely uh, working on that, and um, hopefully I will get to that next fall. But and, and Canada is one of these um, runs that I'm doing where it's back-to-back theaters, where it'll give me an opportunity to really kind of um, try out different um, things and you know bits and, and uh, ideas that I have. Okay, and so we're going to leave it at that. People got to come to the shows to figure out what you're actually talking about. Like, I, I just am curious if what's going on in the culture is going to. You, you tend to write jokes that are a bit absurd, and they're about your own life. Are you going to engage with what's happening socially, politically, on some level? I assume you will a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, but I'm not really a big political comic. I like to do things that are kind of evergreen, you know, if yeah. that don't kind of go away. You know, it's not like a Bill Maher monologue. <laughs> you know, it's it's more of a, a relatable thing for people in, in their daily lives. And and it is, you know, it, it, and I do comment on, you know, some pop culture and things like that, but it's it's mostly, um, you know, something that is, is kind of like closer to me. Okay. Is, if, if people want to learn more about you, Kevin, and these dates, uh, are you able to direct us to, I mentioned your site. Do, do you want to, is it your site? Where can people follow you on the on the internet? Yeah, they can go to my website. It's kevinnealand.com, and I have a, a, a touring schedule right there as you open it up so they can see exactly where I'm going to be. Yeah, and, and you're... And also I have um, Instagram. Yeah, Instagram is good, too, at kevinnealand, and my Twitter is at kevin underscore nealand. Okay, all right, we'll send people there. Is there... I, I, I hope we can go back in time a little bit to the special that I was referring to, whelmed but not overly... Can we go out on a bit from that? Do you remember the bits? Uh, are you? Do you give me permission to play a bit? I have a lot of questions in one here. Oh sure. <laughs> yeah, you could, you could play those bits. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what I did in that in that in that uh, special, but um, yeah, you could definitely play that. I'm a big fan of skiing. Skiing the blacks. Can we play that? Oh yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember that one? Oh, I sure do. Yeah. <laughs> Are you still an avid skier? You seem like an athletic guy. I know we've talked about the basketball, the hiking. Are you still a skier? I do. I ski with my son um, twice this year. We went for um, a couple of days each time. Went to um, up to Lake Tahoe and then out to um, Utah, to Deer Valley. Okay. It's fun. I love it. And and he's loving it as much as I did when I was a kid. Nice. All right. Well, hopefully uh, you won't on probably on this trip or this leg, but I hope you get some skiing done in Canada because we do have some nice skiing up here. Oh, absolutely. I've skied up there before. I love it. I love it. I was in the Laurentian Mountains. I was in Whistler. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Okay. It's cool. really great. Cool. Well, uh, this is Skiing the Blacks by Kevin Yellen from his uh, stand-up record, Whelmed, but not overly. Kevin, I, I hope I didn't gush too much. I'm a tremendous fan of yours. You're a formative influence in my life, and I, I want to thank you for this time. It really means a lot, and I wish you the best of luck with everything going forward. Thank you. I appreciate talking to you, man. It was a lot of fun. I can't wait to come up there. 
thank you for being here. I'm so excited that you, you made it here. Yes, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I just, I don't want to get sick. That's all it is. I've been running myself ragged. I am so worn down my immune system. I've been do, traveling, touring. I just wrote a book. It's on Mormon cults. It's, uh, it's called Always the Bride, Never the Bridesmaid. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be very good. But seriously, I mean, I am exhausted. I don't even know what today is, to be honest with you. According to my pillbox, today is F. That's all I know. It's F. <sighs> I was so useless today. I mean, I wanted to do so much when I was here. And just, I don't know. Everything just seems like a lot of work to me lately. Have you gotten to that point in life yet? You know, like everything. It just seems like, like I wanted to see a movie. But then I thought, eh, then I'd have to go there. <laughs> it's the worst. I was cleaning out my drawer a couple days ago and I came across a snow globe and I thought, I ought to start collecting these things. But then I thought, eh, then I need to get more. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I want to write a screenplay, but I don't live close to a Starbucks. You know, it's just, I'm, I'm like making excuses now. I'm just lazy. I want to ski. I haven't skied like in three years. It just seems like a lot of work now, you know? I remember the first time, remember when you were, remember when, remember when you were, <laughs> I like when people reminisce. Their voice shoots up like five octaves. You know, remember when I met you? Remember? It's like no matter how tough the guy is, it always comes out that way, you know? I don't. I was just thinking about the time we worked in that steel mill down in Pittsburgh. Remember when we beat the hell out of that trucker? And like, boom, boom. Remember when we did that? I bet even if they're speaking a foreign language, you can tell when they're reminiscing, you know, or a tribe deep in the jungle, you know. I don't know if that was smoking a joint or doing a blow dart. I don't know what that was. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I remember the first time I went, everyone skiing. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know that they labeled the trails for difficulties, you know, like black diamonds and greens and blues. And I'm driving through the mountains here in Colorado, and I pull into this convenience store. And I said to the guy behind the counter, I said, hey, what's the best mountain to go skiing at around here? And he looked at me right in the eyes and he goes, you know what? I like Copper Mountain, but a lot of people don't like to go there because they're afraid of all the blacks. <laughs> I thought, oh my God, this guy's a racist. He said, but you know what? I don't mind the blacks. I have a lot of fun with them. But they will beat you up. They will beat you up. And they are all over the mountain. They're everywhere. And you know what? Some of them, not very well groomed. He said, but if you want the good white powder, that's where you got to go. I thought, well, I'm not going to Copper Mountain, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, you got to be so politically correct nowadays. You really do. I mean, I was just in, um, oh, let's make it Nashville. And I uh, saw, no, and I had a cab driver pick me up at the airport. Nice guy, tall, uh, black African-American gentleman. Uh, nice guy. His name was Boyd. And I said, excuse me, what was your name? He said, Boyd. I have never pronounced the D so hard in my life because I didn't want any kind of misunderstandings, you know. You got a real nice city here, boy. Duh. I'll be right out, boy. Duh. 
Because a friend of mine told me I don't enunciate some of my words when I talk. You know, like when I say huge, I don't pronounce the H, she said, and it annoyed her. Like I should be saying huge, I guess, instead of huge. I thought that was something silly to be, to be annoyed about. I could see if I didn't pronounce my H's when I laughed. That could be annoying. Like, ah! You know, people think I'm choking to give me the Heimlich maneuver. No, no, I'm having a good time. I'm not in distress at all. We're going to have a good time tonight. We're going to have a good time tonight. <laughs> Wouldn't it be creepy if you're on a date with some guy and all night he's saying, we're going to have a good time tonight. We're going to have a good time tonight. And you weren't having a good time. And it got later and later in the date. Anyway, we're going to have a good time tonight. Yeah, but when? When? You let me worry about that. Very, very special thanks to Kevin Nealon for making time to be on this, the 472nd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and available on all iOS and Android platforms. Things like Spotify, YouTube, Audio Boom, it's pretty much everywhere, but... If you can't find an episode that you're looking for, that you know you heard about it and you can't find it on the feeds, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com, which is spelled exactly how it sounds. You can also like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, creative is with a K, or you can follow me directly at vishkana. Kana is also with a K. Listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at CFRU.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. I'd like to thank uh, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and CFRU, and also Granddad's Donuts. All of them provide in-kind support or other kinds of support for the show in their own way. Thanks also to my good pal Jim Guthrie. He lets me use one of his songs, The Rest Is Yet to Come, to end the show each week. Go to jimguthrie.org for more info about him. And thank you. Thank you very much for listening uh, to this show and subscribing to it and telling your friends about it if you can. That would be helpful. Uh, It's just me really doing the show, and uh, it's nice. It's nice when it resonates with people. I hope this episode resonated with you, and it prompts you if you've never heard of the show before to check out some of the other ones the other episodes because it's there's 472 of them there might be something else you like but anyway all this to say thank you for listening i will talk to you very soon bye for now sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.